So if you were here last week, um, you would have heard Dan share with you uh, that we are at the start of this year in a little mini-series called The Means of Grace. And now in case you weren't here, or uh, just, you know, while I'm here for the, for the only time, I just thought I'd give you a little recap of what this series is about. We're looking at different ways that we can know the blessing of what it means to connect with God. Real, live, deep, ongoing connection to the living God. Now, these means of grace, we're just looking at four uh, on the, not the first four weeks of the year, but the, we had a sermon on the 2nd of January, and then from there, in these four weeks, um, we're looking at scripture. Last week, that was Dan. Uh, today is prayer. Uh, we're looking at fasting. And we're looking at what does it mean to gather together as one of those means of grace. Now, these means of grace can be called different things. You might have heard them referred to as spiritual disciplines or spiritual rhythms or spiritual practices. And as Harley and I thought about, you know, filling this little uh, mini-series together, we just wondered if spiritual disciplines, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't grow up knowing what that means, it might sound a little bit stern as you came to ponder that. And we wondered if that language maybe wasn't necessarily the most helpful. Discipline's not a bad thing. Don't hear me say that. We absolutely do need discipline. We need rhythms and routines in our lives. And certainly in relationship to God, that's no different. We do need these things. Uh, we need to be focused. We need to have a plan. We need to be disciplined in our lives. But we should not primarily see these things, scripture, prayer, and so on, as disciplines that we must follow, um, but rather as amazing opportunities for blessing that we should not want to miss out on. So we, we know how this dynamic plays out in other areas of our lives. So if I think, for example, of my relationship to Lindsay, do I need to be disciplined in my relationship with Lindsay, in, in having a, a regular rhythm of keeping in touch with her, communicating with her, spending time with her. Well, yes, of course I do. I do need to be disciplined in that. Is that the way I ought to frame a potential date night that I have with her as I come down the stairs, as we're heading, getting ready to go out? You know, here I am. I am here to be disciplined as your husband because this is my duty. And something I need to do. No, <laughs> that would not go down very well, would it? Uh, I, I should want to do these things. I should realize that there's blessing in this for me and maybe <laughs> for Lindsay as well. Who knows? Our hope is that this series will help us more deeply, encourage us to more deeply connect with, commune with this amazing God of grace of ours. And to see the, the wonderful gift that that is. And then, you know, so, so that's maybe one aim of this little series. And then secondly, I think as we look ahead to the rest of this year, we need to recognize, and hopefully we do this every day, to be honest, um, but we, we do want to recognize as quite a pointed, in quite a pointed way, our utter dependence on God and our need of his power as we look to what is coming in 2022. Um, I know that Jonathan Gross was with you on the 2nd of January. Well, Jonathan's been busy because he was at Hillview last week. Uh, he stepped in at, at somewhat late notice and, and was able to, to preach uh, at Hillview. And he shared a brilliant illustration 
about how these spiritual rhythms, these means of grace, operate in our lives. And, and the picture has stuck with me, and I just thought I would share it with you um, to, in case it's a help for you as well. He was saying, think of the journey through life as a bike ride. Now, not one of those Harley Rathal, I could break any bone of my body at any moment bike rides. You know, he took me on a walk in the Kirk, is it Kirk Hill Woods? And uh, he showed me some of the places he goes off on his bike. He's crazy. I love that guy. But he's crazy on his bike. Anyway, I'm not talking about a bike ride like that. I'm talking about a nice, gentle bike ride. Uh, Ups and downs. And think of the journey through life like that. Um, And as we go through life's highs and lows, um, ponder what is the source of energy for how we do that. And he said, think of, in this illustration, think of the center, the hub of the wheel as the power of God in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit. God is in the saddle, God is turning the pedals, and the hub of the wheel is where the power is centered. And that's ultimately how the wheel is turned. But in order for that power to be effective, it can't just stay in that hub. It needs the spokes that go from the hub to the rim of the wheel to turn the wheel through all the ups and downs of life. And Jonathan's illustration was saying, these spokes are like these means of grace, these spiritual rhythms in our lives. Just as The power is made real and tangible and effective to the whole wheel through the spokes. Jonathan was sharing that the means of grace, specifically today we're speaking about prayer, think of it as one of the spokes on this wheel, that it's God who provides the power in our life. It's God who is in control. It's God who's turning the pedals. It's God who's leading us forward. But without the spokes of these connections to what God is doing, prayer and all these other things that we've mentioned, we're not going to receive and channel and benefit from that power. And we're not going to do so well in our journey through life. So I I, I commend that picture to you. It's it's been helpful for me in thinking about this. So this means of, of grace that we're talking about today, prayer is, among other things, of course, then, you know, as I've been saying about this series, it's an opportunity for blessing and connection and communion and, and rest with God. And prayer is the means by which we know the power of God at work in our lives. Now, I mentioned Acts chapter 4. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there or to tap there if you're using an app. And um, we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at just one specific example of a time of prayer in the life of the early church. I think there's a lot in this that can be helpful for us as we look to what is coming. And none of us know, right, what's coming in 2022, which should humble us. If you're not feeling humbled already, ponder that none of us know what's coming this afternoon, let alone in these coming months. And we better not trust in our own self-sufficiency. We know we need help. So um, may God guide us as we come to his word. This is one of my favorite passages on prayer in the Bible. And there are some encouragements for us as we consider how we might think about this blessing of prayer. So as as I read, we're going to focus from verse 23 down to verse 31. But just to give a little bit of context there, and what's happened is that Peter 
uh, had been preaching. And, and I love this. The sermons in the book of Acts are so simple. Have you noticed this? They just tell the story of who Jesus is. This is who you thought Jesus was. This is who he really was. This is what happened to him. He died. He rose again. He's ascended in power. And you better listen up to him. That's basically every single sermon in the book of Acts. And uh, the religious leaders of the day are not happy at all about this. So in, at the start of chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested and they are put in prison overnight. And the next day they're hauled before the authorities. And uh, at this stage, the most the authorities feel they can do uh, is listed for us in verse 18. So let's just go back a little bit and look from verse 18 of chapter 4. It says this. Sorry, this Bible that I'm using today has a lot smaller type. So if I'm doing this, then, then you know why. I'm just straining a little bit. So it says... Um, the religious leaders called Peter and John and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And I love this verse, don't you? But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot help, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. So they basically send them off with a threat, and by the way, not empty threats, because uh, in the very next chapter, they are actually um, imprisoned and beaten for continuing to share the good news of Jesus. So they come out of this incredibly intense difficult environment. I mean, think how scary that would have been, having just seen what's happened to Jesus, having heard the threats of these powerful people. And the question is, what will they do? What will they do? And then we, we, we read it, right? We read it from verse 22. I'll just read the first couple of verses. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. So a few things here that we can learn in this prayer about how we might pray, the practice of prayer. And the first thing we see here was that prayer was instinctive for them. You know, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they dot, dot, dot. What might you do? What might we do when faced with circumstances like that? Maybe arrange a protest at the injustice of this. Post to social media about the outrage that this is. Maybe, maybe you'd want to decide an exit plan. We need to get out of here because this is scary. Where are we going to go? No, it says that they lifted their voices together to God. It was the first thing they were inclined to do was to cry out for help. Now, this just makes sense, right? When you think of the way life is, if something bad happens, what's the first thing that you do? You call on someone who can help. Think of, for example, a, a, a frightened child who's lost or in need or something bad has happened, crying out for a parent or someone who witnesses an accident. A few years ago, our car was blown off the M6 by the wind and it tumbled 
uh, and, and even as people ran and helped and were lifting us out of the car, the very first thing I remember them saying was, we've already called the ambulance. They'd seen this mess, they'd seen this worrying, worrying situation and they knew that they needed to call for help. It's instinctive, whether in the most challenging moments of life, help, or indeed, in fact, those moments of blessing, we want to share them with someone. And, and in fact, there's many, many examples in the Bible where something awesome happens and someone just responds in praise and in prayer and in worship to God. Something happens and this impulse of the early church here in Acts chapter 4 is to pray. Sadly though, while that is a natural thing for us, it's, it's actually not always what we do in our lives, in, in, in the church. It's natural to cry out for help, but we don't always have the first instinctive drive to pray to God. We, either in our own lives or in our corporate life together, we can get caught up in so many less important things, be that process or be that panic or be that the need to vent frustration or be that different perspectives and needing to, to, to express those or, or maybe we're we're struggling to, to process what does this mean in terms of where we've come from and we can start to think about the history of things or, or we can start to think about strategies of how do we move forward from here. All those things, it would have been very easy for the early church to have wanted to plan and discuss and cons consider how to move forward from this moment. But that was not their first instinct. Their first instinct was prayer. And so it should be with us. Prayer was instinctive. Second thing, prayer was communal. Prayer was communal. Um, in verse 23, I love this, by the way. It says, um, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests. I, I love that it mentions friends here. It's actually one of only a few references in the book of Acts to friends. But friendship is important. One of the things that we talk about a lot is that in the church of Jesus Christ, one of the awesome things is we're all so different. And we actually, all of us, we don't all have everything in common. And, and that's a lovely thing about the church of Jesus Christ. But in that mix, in our fellowship, we should feel a, not just a, a kinship, that family sense of love together, but we should consider one another. We should work out our relationships. We should spend time together to the extent where we know that you're for me and I'm for you. We're friends. And they went to their friends, it says here, it says that when they heard it together, they lifted their voices together, it says. So depending on your personality type, this might land differently for you. Some of us, it's very natural to want to be around other people, to want to share with people, enjoying company, enjoying that interaction of, of dialogue whether one-to-one one or in a bigger group or with before, before God. Um, and some of you maybe know about me, I am actually, if I'm honest, not always the most sociable person. I generally default to being happy in time on my own. Um, I'm of the opinion that time with me is time well spent. And you know what? If you don't agree with that, then you're welcome to that opinion because that's fine by me because that means I get more time for me. If you don't want to spend time with me, then I'll just have time with me. And I'm happy with time with me. But you know what? I'll be honest, especially with prayer, especially with prayer, I need to pray with others. 
And of course, I need to have my own alone time with God. But I have found that communal prayer is such an important and shaping force in my life. When you pray with others, you're spurred on by others. You're shepherded by others. You're guided by others. Aspects of God's heart come through. That's why I want, well, it's actually, I, I wasn't actually thinking as strategically as this, but I'm glad that we prayed the way we did before the sermon because you just pick up on different things. Like some of you said things I never would have thought of this morning. And as we pray together, you know, different parts of the scriptures come out. You know, you, you might know one set of verses, but someone else knows an entirely different set. And you hear it, you think, oh God, thank you for, for that. I didn't think about it. that's who you were. And uh, there's a different dynamic when you pray with other people. So I guess the encouragement for this next year is make sure in the life of Kintour Community Church, whether that's in your small group, I know that Harley has a huge heart for the small groups for prayer to be an absolutely crucial part of, of how they operate together. But whether it's that, whether it's prayer triplets, whether it's other city-wide gatherings, uh, whatever it is, whether it's evenings of worship and prayer, we have one of those coming up in Kintour, God willing, at the end of this month. Whether it's just as you gather with friends, let's normalize praying with others. I was speaking to someone the other day, and they said uh, they were just chatting with someone about a problem, and all of a sudden, without any warning or hesitation, this person just moved from dialogue one to the other to pray. And I loved it. I thought, that should be normal. And, and it's not, and it's, it's challenging, and so there's a cultural thing that we need God's help to shape. But let's normalize praying together, because God will shape us, and we will know his grace through that lovely gift of prayer. Thirdly, Prayer was instinctive, prayer was communal. Thirdly, prayer was loud. Verse 24, they lifted their voices. There's a noise level indicated there. There is a fervor and a passion indicated there. And it's not just this passage a passage as well. You know, think of where would you want to go to to find a great model for prayer? Uh, Jesus, yes, you're right. Listen to this, Hebrews verse, chapter five, verse seven. It says, Jesus prayed with loud cries and tears. Loud cries. We shouldn't need any other example than him, but there are other examples in the Bible. Time and again, for example, in the Psalms, we hear encouragements like Psalm 66 verse 1, shout for joy to God, all the earth. And again, we see this in our own lives, right? When something significant happens for us or for a loved one, there's, there's more often than not a noise that comes with that, whether that's a cry of despair, agony, or a cry of joy or delight. But why are we so often so quiet and reserved? Now we pray in Jesus' church. Must prayer always be loud? No. I love the peaceful time that we had before the sermon. Should it sometimes be loud? Yeah. It should be. So may God raise a noise in Contour Community Church this year. Finally, prayer was scriptural. If you have your Bible open before you, I don't know if this uh, is shown in an app, if you have it in an app, but if you have a paper Bible, certainly uh, verses 25 and verses 26 are indented. And the reason that is, you probably have a little footnote or something or a cross-reference uh, number or letter there. And um, what they're doing is they're quoting from Psalm chapter two. Their prayers were informed 
by their knowledge of the scriptures. And again, I've already alluded to this, so I won't press it too hard, but what an encouragement this is in prayer. Now, important caveat, you don't need to know theology to pray. You don't need to know vast sections of the Bible to pray. God loves just to hear the cry of our hearts. And I think the most lovely way that's described in, in the New Testament where Jesus calls a child among them. And says, this is what you're to be like. You want to know what life in the kingdom of God is like? Be like this child. How does a child? A child doesn't have any clever theology work. A child just speaks to his father, who, who, who he can trust in that example, at least. And uh, But there is something special about when you're with a group of people and someone prays truth from the scriptures. It fires us up. It, spurs us on. God, your arm is not too short to save. And everyone should say, Amen. God, thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, thank you that nothing, nothing, not this circumstance, not even this most horrific act that we're thinking about just now, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God, thank you that you say, I am the Lord. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When we pray the scriptures, it inspires faith to arrive. There's truth. We're standing on solid, solid ground. So, Kintor, may you, may we know these realities this coming year. That prayer would be instinctive. That prayer would would happen together in the community of friends. That there would be a, a, a fervency, even a volume. And may our prayers be rooted in in the rock-solid truth and the power of God's revealed truth of who he is towards us. Thank you. Amen. Final thing I want to look at in Acts 4 as we think about these means of grace is, um, so the way that they prayed, some principles for prayer. Secondly, the recipient of their prayer. This is the last thing we'll look at before we close. When I was was growing up, (laughs) sorry, that, that caveat's not needed. Uh, definitely true when I was growing up it's still true today I used to talk first think second and this is still an ongoing challenge for me in fact you know what like two days ago we had a family moment where I said something in the presence of all four of us Clarks and Lindsay and the kids actually just nailed me because I spoke without thinking I'll try to be silly I'll try to be the clown and it took me back to my primary one report and every subsequent report where it said Martin would do well to think before he speaks and honestly the story of my life um, one of the phrases in, in light of that that I used to hear not infrequently was, Martin, who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? When you speak to someone, you better know who you're talking to. It informs how you communicate. And this is certainly the case when it comes to prayer. And we see this in Acts chapter 4. They knew who they were talking to. So firstly, they knew that God was sovereign, that he was in control. Despite arrests and prison and threats, who did they pray to? Look at verse 24. They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord. And then even in their prayer, They're acknowledging God's foreknowledge of all of this as they quote from Psalm chapter 2. They're saying, God, none of this is a a surprise to you. This is in line with the scriptures. 
in Psalm chapter 2. And in this passage, there's one other acknowledgement. It's one of the most remarkable passages in the New Testament for me. Another acknowledgement of God's sovereignty. Uh, where where it's, it's one of the clearest places where you see that nothing falls outside of the plan and the purposes and the sovereignty of God. Verses 27 and 28. Let's read these again. This is their prayer. Again, do you see how they're praying this truth about who God is? For truly in this city, Jerusalem, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, these are the people that were, that were against Jesus, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, that is to say, uh, everyone. So everyone was gathered here um, to do whatever your hand, God, and your plan had predestined to take place. So, so what was done against Jesus in Jerusalem that they're referring to? Well, they're talking about the betrayal. They're talking about the, the hatred that was aimed at Jesus, the sin that was aimed at Jesus, his betrayal, his murder. And, and who was this done by? It was done by everyone, not just Herod, not just Pilate, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. Now, in that act of evil, gathered in from so many different people, what were they doing? They were doing, as it says in verse 28, whatever your hand, God, and your plan had predestined to take place. They are saying, God, you're in control. You, even, even this most horrific act of human history, this was something that your hand had planned and predestined to take place. Now, this is confusing. Let's just be honest. This is perplexing. This is mystery. This is mystery, how this works. Can this be difficult to accept sometimes? Yes. But friends, what peace can come? What joy and freedom can arise when we know that we are praying to a God who is in control, who knows the end from the beginning. If you struggle with this, begin to ask yourself, what's the alternative? Do you want to be praying to a God who doesn't understand what's going on and things are happening out with his control? We pray to the sovereign Lord who holds all things together. Even the most horrific act of evil done to the Lord Jesus Christ is easy for us to understand, no. But when we come with that childlike faith, there is faith, there is blessing that we can know in that. It should propel us to pray. We are asking as Jesus taught us to pray that God's will would be done here in Aberdeenshire. We're asking God to act in line with who he is and then act in line with what he's already planned to take place, what he desires to take place. And we know his desires are good for this region, right? So we're praying, God, bring that to pass. All the wonderful things that you want to show of who you are to the people of Aberdeenshire, bring it to pass, God, bring it to pass. And we can do that because, like they did, we knew, secondly, so God is sovereign, secondly, God is loving. Verse 29, it says there, uh, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. While you stretch out your hand to heal. Again. That be our first prayer if we just got released from prison. Maybe 
maybe safety, maybe justice, maybe judgment. Look at all these people who had done that to us. Maybe, but, but they're saying, God, you are the God who brings healing. You are the God. And it's interesting here, they're not actually praying that God would be loving, but their, their, their prayer is for boldness because they're confident of the loving nature of who God is. They know God wants to heal and do wondrous things through Jesus. Their prayer is informed by the knowledge of who they are speaking to. So we pray in light of who God is. God, we know that in you are streams of living water, which are a spring of, of life welling up to eternal life. So, so in light of that, God, grant us wisdom in how to lead people to those streams. God, guide us and help us as we seek to reach out to the community of Kintor and beyond because we know you love this local community. God, birth new churches throughout Aberdeen and the Shire because we know that you desire for your kingdom to come here on earth as in heaven. God, give us a heart for the poor and the needy because you have shown us, God, that you have a heart for the poor and so on. He's sovereign and he's loving. Let that impact the prayers we pray. And then finally, we knew that God was powerful and supernatural. I mean, we've already um, seen this in verse 24. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then at the end of verse 30 there it says, you know, while you stretch out your hand to heal, I love it, it's almost just assuming that's going to happen, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. A God with power and a plan who's not loving is devastating and tragic. Uh, a God of love who is powerless to share that love and to change lives, that's tragic. But God who has a perfect plan, who is perfectly loving and who is perfect in power and supernatural authority to bring it about, that's awesome. And that is our God. And they knew it and so they prayed. Do you pray big prayers? There's a time for the cry, the, the, the brief cries, God help me. But there is a time to pray with a big vision for what God can do in this part of the world through your life in Contour Community Church as part of this body of Christ. We're praying to the God of healing and salvation. We're praying to the God of signs and wonders, the God who acts in his church through the name of the servant, holy servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Do we know who we're talking to? As we understand more of who God is, we'll cry out for more of who God wants. There's a brilliant little book called A Praying Life by Paul E. Miller. I commend it to you if you struggle with prayer. It's just such a beautifully written little book about what prayer is. And, and he writes this, Many people struggle to learn how to pray because they are focusing on praying not on God. May God be pleased this year to reveal more and more of himself 
so we know to whom we are speaking. So confidence can arise in us and in our prayers together. We need, friends, as we come to a close now, we need this means of grace. God is so in control and so loving and so powerful. To not plug into that power would be such a, a miss for us, such a tragedy for us. We need this spoke that comes from the, the hub of the wheel to power us, to enable us to journey through all the highs and lows that this year will throw at us. American uh, 20th century theologian and priest Thomas Merton said this about prayer. Prayer is an expression of who we are. We are a living incompleteness. We are a gap. An emptiness that calls for fulfillment. Just saying, on our own, we just can't do it. God does not leave us like that. He doesn't leave us empty. He doesn't leave us just as a gap. He doesn't leave us lacking. With prayer, we have this opportunity to know his blessing, his grace, and, and this this chance to call on his name that we might truly be who he's called us to be. Look what happened as these brothers and sisters prayed. Verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Wouldn't we love it if this place was shaken? I don't know how strong the walls are. I don't really care if it's physically shaken or not, but I'm sure many of you know that time where you've been in the presence of God with the brothers and sisters of Christ in your life and, and your life is shaken together. The building is shaken in the presence of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing as someone prayed earlier. Thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit. May God be pleased to move in a similar way in Contour Community Church, in our prayer life as individuals, as prayer triplets, as small groups, as a corporate body, that we would know the building, our lives, this area shaking for his sake. And, and, and in trust and in expectation of what he is going to do. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this means of grace that we can call on your name. And Lord, we thank you for the many different forms that prayer can take. Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much that you're here. I thank you that you can minister to us individually and that you are moving among us in this place. It's, it is you who binds us together through the, the blood of Christ which has purchased us as your people. Your spirit is drawing us together. And Lord, I thank you that from the feeblest cry, God help me, to the boldest shout of faith-filled declaration that you will bring your kingdom here in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. God, and everything in between, you meet us and you guide us and you lead us on. Father, forgive us for the ways that when we've ignored you. Forgive us for the ways when we've seen prayer as a burden. Teach us how to pray. Reveal to us more of who you are. That just naturally there would be this overflow. 